I don't normally get jealous when somebody else writes an article. I don't normally be like, oh man, that was... But I am super excited and a little jealous to talk to Nate Bauer today because he wrote an awesome article yesterday at bwi.rivals.com. He joins me to talk about the freaks at Penn State. He talked to head strength coach Dwight Galt to get the top five players that are the freakiest athletes at Penn State. And you've seen the Bruce Feldman's freak list. This is just Penn State players. So, Nate, welcome to the show. And I for, for a couple days here, I've wanted to switch places with you. I, you know, I mean, it's not that great, but <laughs> listen, I don't think you you're understand. Making, making I love, I love sports science to the point that I married my personal trainer. My sure. wife, we met because she was a trainer at the gym and we, we hit it off talking about sports and, and athletes and things like that. So this, this, I love this. I love that we're talking about it today. Um, but go ahead. No, I mean, I was just going to say he loves it too. That's that's the the overwhelming sentiment. That, and the thing that was most interesting to me is how much Dwight Galt loves the combine, these events. They break it down uh, on a minute scale, right? Like within the program, like the program takes these things very, very seriously. It is not just strength and conditioning. It is how can we transform you from good to great, great to elite, yep. elite to other human, right? Yep. Like otherworldly athlete. Um, and and this, this incremental process, right? All of the things that go into getting that extra inch in your vertical jump. It's just, uh, he takes a ton of pride in it. It's not an accident that Penn State is so good at these things every year at the Combine. Um, you know, and, and it's just, it's just, a it's just a, a thing that he really, really gravitates towards. Now I, I, I did, I jumped the gun a little bit because I do want to talk about some news and notes before we get to the freaks list. So if, uh, if you're sticking around, stick around for that. But yesterday was James Franklin's first press conference of the year during game week. What were your impressions of what came out of yesterday? Yeah. You know, so the big one to me, and I feel like he's been hinting at this through the preseason, is the level of confidence that he has that Penn State offensively is prepared for the season. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's we've had these conversations, and, and even even the podcast that we did with Matt McGloin, right? Like, there there is this this uh cloud of uncertainty as to oh yeah yeah your your expectations for Mike Yersich and what he is able to do for Penn State football are are high that there's no question that he is expected to be able to transform this offense back into uh, again reflections of Joe Moorhead in 2016 2017 2019 right even with Ricky Ronnie so that is what Penn State is hoping for. It's just a question of how quickly can it happen. And in one of his answers, talking about Wisconsin during the press conference, he said, hey, there are things that I can do, right? There are things that we can do, that Penn State's offense can do that are going to challenge Wisconsin's defense, yeah. right? It was it was a subtext. It was, it was subtle. It wasn't cocky. It wasn't arrogant. But it was... Hey, you know, so much of the conversation is focused on 
what Wisconsin is supposed to do def- defensively and yep. the expectations that there are for them to be a good defensive program, as it always is. Um, you know, but conversely, how much Penn State struggled offensively last season yeah. and this notion that, that maybe that will continue, that yeah. maybe uh, they won't kind of snap out of that. Basically, basically, Franklin's- he said he said that Penn State has better athletes on the outside. You know, the veterans are coming back for Wisconsin. But what he said is, you know, they play man coverage a lot. That presents you opportunities and some of the things we can yep. do on the outside. So he he as politely as he could say, believed in Parker Washington and Jahan Dotson and his receivers, that that's going to be an advantage for them. So I, I, I agree yeah. with you. I think that is one area that people are looking at. And I know I've, I've done that this week with the guys we've talked to of all the veterans that are coming back for Wisconsin. But I, I asked Jake Kokorowicz, uh last uh, Kokora whiskey yesterday, like, are they good or are they just returning? And from right. that perspective, you might think that James Franklin believes that he's got an advantage in that, and then it becomes whether or not Sean Clifford can take advantage of those things. What is your uh, opinion, just real quick, about the depth chart thing? I thought it was interesting. My reasoning for why they didn't release a depth chart was completely different from what James said. He said that they don't want to release a depth chart because everyone else isn't doing it, so why would we give them the advantage? What's your just, I guess, general thought on, on not having a depth chart this year? I, I don't really know, to be honest with you, because he's made it so plain that he doesn't think it should be utilized as any type of insight into the program in the past, right? Even when they were releasing a depth chart, yeah. He, yeah. he pounded that drum so hard of this doesn't matter. All that I'm doing, all, I mean, how many times, like there's, you know, uh, of 22 positions, 18 of them have or next to <laughs> yeah. one of the names. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, he, he has been so vigilant in maintaining how irrelevant the depth chart is. I, you know, I, I think it's more often than not, the depth chart is a reflection of what actually happens. Yeah. Right. Like as much as he wants to claim that it's not, it is, is yeah. the first guy that's on the depth. You're not going to see the the third guy on the depth chart be the first guy in the field. They don't lie. So that's the thing is like, it may never be accurate for injury, which, you know, there have been times somebody has been on the depth chart and they're just there. And you know, based on what we know in the media that uh, they're not going to be there. But it does, and especially if you look at it over time, it does paint a picture of what is going on with the university, the, the, the program, and how that changes with, you know, if there is isn't a season-ending injury or if there is a guy that makes a move. We have seen that in the past. So yeah. when I, I did, I, you know, I, he is very forthcoming when about talking about these things. But when he said, you guys basically know everything, like we know everything except for the things that we don't know. And there were things that he talked about today, but we just don't know them. We would have known them if we had looked at a roster and a depth chart and seen Anthony Wigan or Eric uh, Wilson at that left guard position. So, like, there is a little bit of truth there. I was, I love depth charts. I want to see them. I want to see how they change. I find them intriguing. So I'm bummed this yeah. year that there isn't one. Yeah, but you're you're going to get one as soon as the first game is over because we're yeah. going to see snap counts and we're going to see lineups we're gonna see you know the shifts like we're gonna see the rotations so it's gonna become fairly clear fairly quickly i think what the depth chart would have been 
as released by Penn State based on the previous game. Sure. You know? And yeah. so and so like we're, you know, if anything, it's just gonna be more fodder for us to make it up as we go <laughs> along and, yeah. and talk about. Hey, is this what the is this what the depth chart would have looked like if Penn State had released one? Uh, I can't wait. Speaking, by the way, speaking of snap counts coming up tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition, Anthony Tresh of PFF is joining the show, and you're going to want to watch that. He has some really interesting takes on what Penn State is going to be not only Saturday but this coming year. So uh, stay tuned for the BWI Daily Edition coming up tomorrow with Anthony Tresh and. This Saturday, our very first live show, BWI live post-game show here on YouTube. So if you watch the game and you're you're watching the post-game stuff and you want some instant reaction and analysis from me, that'll be live here on YouTube, BWI live post-game show. It'll be directly after the game or soon after the game. So you, you'll be hearing information about a time coming up this week, so stay tuned. We'll keep you up to date on that. But we do have to get to our freaks list. You talked to Dwight Galt this, uh, this week, and he told you, the top five players that are the most outstanding athletes. Um, and there's some interesting metrics in there that we do need to explain before we get into it. I I'm going to put up number five here, and I want you to explain what some of these metrics mean, because if you're not familiar with powerlifting or if you're not familiar with uh, you know strength indexes and things like that, you may not know what all this means. But coming in at number five, Nate? Brenton Strange, tight end. So tell me, tell me about uh, strength index. <laughs> tell me about what some of these metrics mean here for Brenton Strange. I mean, I'm I'm the the Pillsbury Doughboy over here. You might be the one who should be explaining this. <laughs> well, no, that's the. So I was super interested uh, because the 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 strength index in particular, as defined by Dwight Galt, was different in your article than what I was expecting it to mean. So I, I'm interested to hear what he said to you about what that number means specifically and what the range means when it comes to 682 versus some of the other numbers we're going to see later. Yep. Yeah, so uh, effectively, and again, I'm paraphrasing here, but effectively it is your bench press, your clean, and your squat, okay? Added up, divided by... Um, like th there's a there's a formula basically right uh let me i'm gonna get the exact quote just so i can have it here we've got measurables now uh but basically the strength index adds up the bench the clean and the squat your total weight lifted then it uses a coefficient based on your body weight yep. and you multiply it to get a random number okay and so your age also comes into play mm -hmm. uh on that and so basically it allows you to compare pound for pound the, the strongest guys on the team because, right, the defensive backs are not going to be the size of an offensive lineman. And, you know, that 340 clean for a tight end, how it translates to an offensive lineman, it's yeah. not it's not the exact same thing. It's not. It, it's right? it's so about power production. Guy. So it's about how much you can move versus how much you weigh. That kind of gives you the amount of power. So for, for small, like you said, for smaller players or for larger players that are quick, and can do those things because for a power clean, that number, I'll, I'll throw that up here again for Brenton Strange, that is a power movement. So that is something you have to be strong and explosive, be able to move a lot of weight quickly. So that's a really impressive number. The other ones I think most people understand, they've seen the combine, 464, 40-yard uh, dash. So that strength plus that speed and, and the broad jump, the vertical, 
Brenton Strange coming in as the fifth freakiest athlete on this list. Did he say anything interesting about Brenton Strange as far as, um, you know, his profile as a football player or as, a, as an athlete? Yeah, so uh, the, the big message with Strange was the progress that he's made, right? He came in at 217 pounds. So for him to uh, be 252 pounds now a couple of years later uh, and make the improvements that he's made – uh, to to those different categories is it's it's a it's not that he stands out in any individual category there yeah uh, you know within the team it's that on the whole he's made uh, a considerable amount of progress as an athlete uh, both strength and speed and explosiveness um, you know that kind of differentiates him from from other guys and, and one thing that I would mention here is. Uh, just a just a set of framework that we were going to for that strength index number. He checked in at 682. Galt said that for freshmen, they're typically expecting 500 to 550. Yeah. Uh, and then once you get to 650 and up, that's considered elite. Yeah. Uh, right. And so 700, he then said was very rare. And the rarest of the rare, the generational athletes uh, occasionally crack 800. But in his 30 plus year career that's been limited to two or three guys. Yep. And, and we all know who they are. We've talked about it time and time again. Uh, I, I do love the quote from your article. If you, if you don't mind me saying, uh, he said of Saquon Barkley, he's the closest we've gotten to Superman. Cause he mentioned like what we just talked about here of all the different categories. Most players are not good at everything. They have c- certain strengths and weaknesses. Barkley was just good at everything. So, you know, if you're a scale of one to hundred, hundred to Superman, He's as close as they've gotten to Superman. So that shows you just how special and how rare those players are. Speaking of players that are good at certain things, but maybe don't have the whole profile, coming in at number four, I think I'm ha- I have this right. Who's number four? Rasheed Walker, offensive lineman, left tackle. And he's just a big dude. Yep. That's, that's the main, <laughs> that's the main yep. uh, point right there is he just carries himself the, the the his size and the progress again uh similar to strange the progress that he's made through his Penn State career you know he's positioned to athletically be part of that conversation right I mean the, we can't not talk about the draft with this guy yeah and so yep he's he's putting himself in a place where when he gets to the combine he is he is not going to be overlooked He's not going to be overshadowed uh, yep. based on what he does. I mean, a 40-yard dash at 501, um, you know, and and what's going to be interesting for him is, uh, you know, that 10-yard split, the first 10. Yes. So, yep. right, but but quick, powerful, fast, explosive, yeah, all the above. If you're looking He's at all of those characteristics. If you're looking at the combine numbers, having an almost a 30-inch vertical jump at 322 pounds, and truthfully, once he starts training for the combine, I imagine his vertical will be over 30 inches at the combine. But you look at the strength numbers, you look at the explosiveness. When when we've talked about this offseason, you and I have talked about on this show several times, he's a potential first-round pick. This is These are the metrics. These are what I see on film when I go, his athleticism is different. 
Penn State hasn't had a left tackle like Rasheed Walker in a long time. It's been about putting it all together, and this is what Phil Troutwine is working with and what we all expect will be the next step for that position for Rasheed Walker and being a guy that is in that conversation as another top pick for Penn State in the draft as long as he puts it all together on the football field. Any other notes from Dwight Galt on Rasheed Walker? No, that pretty much covers it. I mean, just you see there, that's 661. It's elite. That's, you know, they consider that's that's where you want to get to. And he still has the opportunity to improve upon that. The biggest surprise on this list to me comes in at number three. Tell everyone who had my eyes go, oh, really? Yeah, same. Now, granted, look, like this is Dwight Galt's opinion. This is his this is mm-hmm. how he picks it. Um, but John Sutherland safety, uh, you know, uh, guy who's been around the program for forever, you know, that he's important to the program because he's been a captain for as many years as he has. Yeah. He's uh, right. I mean, he's, he's, uh, carved a a spot for himself on special teams, obviously in there in the secondary on defense, but he's more athletic than maybe he's given credit for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Four, four, eight. Uh, 36 inch vertical and powerful, powerful, that, that 550 squat and that yeah. strength index. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, that's, that is, that is uh, elite. And one of the things that, that Galt mentioned with him and, and, you know, took the time to point out was how consistent he's been at doing that. Uh, it, mm-hmm. This, this hasn't necessarily been a, an upward trajectory for Sutherland. He's been over 700 six times. Six, yeah. pe- six different testing periods. And, uh, you know, they test, um, you know, two or three times a year. So, so for him to have done that for as many years and as many opportunities as he's had, that's, that's a signifier of just what he's capable. And this is kind of why you see Penn State trying to find a place for him on the football field. He reminds me a little bit of Koa Farmer in, in a certain way of a guy that yeah. is that safety linebacker hybrid who, and you know, I, I just, I'll put up the, the numbers again here. You look at it, 36 inch vertical. He's 5'11", 205. He runs a 4'4", A lot of these things do show up on film. Like he is an explosive downhill athlete. It's just, it's been, it's been the positional abilities and finding where he fits on the field but that strength index not to spoil anything but that is the highest on this list of his strength for his size he is a phenomenal athlete and that's why he's a special teams captain that's why he's a guy uh you know in that arena why he's been such a consistent producer for Penn State it is a little unfortunate that he hasn't really taken that step on defense but as far as you know uh, you know a guy that they brought into the program that they've developed well he is among some of the best that they've been able to produce what are you expecting of him this year because he's an interesting thing total side note here you know that positional ambiguity of it whether playing Sam playing safety what are you expecting of Sutherland this year yeah I mean that's and that's what I was just going to mention is we saw him at linebacker last week at practice uh you know and so it goes back to when we've been talking about this uh it feels like all preseason but the guys who don't it's either a it's either a great thing or a bad thing and I can never figure out exactly which one it is as to do they not have a home do they not have is there not a place for them where they're in a groove and can maximize their best potential based on the defense itself 
or is it positional versatility that these guys can appear everywhere and be good at everything? You you know, I I mean, I think that sometimes from year to year, it just depends on the guy, but that, that having options as a defensive coordinator is something that you like. That is, that is a good thing for them to have that ability based on different situations throughout the, the course of a football game. Hey, you know, these are the metrics. This is the, the, the likelihood of this play, this type of play being run in this situation. Oh, we've got the perfect answer for that. Here's yeah. a guy who can, who can be in that spot, knows what he's doing, right time, right place. Uh, and obviously in Sutherland, that's what you expect based on how long he's been playing and how, how much he's been around this. And it's his profile of an athlete and as a student athlete where he's been praised for his leadership and his intelligence throughout his career. It is super interesting. It's the thing that as much as I love the numbers and we're going through all the strength index here with Nate Bauer, who wrote an awesome freaks list for Penn State article here. We're talking on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. It's that it's that thing that you can't quantify of the instincts. So James Franklin talked about yesterday, Curtis Jacobs and his safety like qualities at the linebacker position. Now he's six one two thirty. And Jonathan Sutherland has always been a better player in the box, but 5'11", 205, that doesn't profile as a, you know, as a three-down linebacker. And it's those, it, that's the part that I think has always been missing with Sutherland is from an early on, he's had this, this physical ability. It's been that intangible instinct to me that hasn't quite shown up for him. And it's, it's one of the things to me that's the most disappointing for him, especially, of like, He's doing everything right. He's trying to, it's just one of those things that separates good players and good, you know, versatile players from the truly great players is that, that, that intangible instinct. Uh, and a guy that we're going to see his instincts, whether or not they're in the better in the box this year than they were last year is coming in at number two. Who is number two? Brandon Smith, who, I mean, dude was a beast before he got to Penn State. Yep. Right. Like that was, that's kind of the deal with this guy uh, is, is he already, when he arrived at Penn state, he was a guy who you looked at and said, Whoa, like that looks the part already as a true freshman. Now he's junior. uh, And, and again, I mean, one of the insights that Galt provided that was so interesting for Smith is yeah, he, he might have looked the part, but he has actually made, uh, pretty big strides himself yes. in in the strength and conditioning tests. Yep. And and to me, if you look at that 245 pounds, that's, that's gone up. And when you talk about frame and you talk about size, th- those are two different things, right? So uh, he, he mentioned that he's a, he's a baby Micah Parsons in your article. And, and the thing that I find mm-hmm. is interesting is that, you know, Brandon Smith is a bigger frame. He's a longer athlete. So he's actually, to me, a little bit thinner than Micah. Micah was a very stocky, stout sort of player. And they they end up in relatively the same place because of the different types of abilities and the different, um, you know, just the way different bodies are composed. But that 36-inch vertical, the 4-4-3 speed, those are the legit numbers you're looking for as a linebacker. But I'm not surprised that from a strength index, it's not as high as Sutherland because... He's 245, 
but he's a longer athlete. And if you've ever tried to do a bench press with long arms, like if you've ever tried to do the bench press before, the shorter your arms, the better. And he's got like 36 inch arms, uh, you know, not to, not to knock his bench whatsoever. Cause it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. But if you're looking at, I guess what I'm trying to point is the difference between a guy like Micah Parsons and Brandon Smith is the way their bodies are built. You're going to get different results based on that longer, leaner frame, but he still gets a 245. He still gets the job done athletically. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think that I think that the bigger point isn't necessarily just how strong he is; it's how he combines that strength with his quickness, yes, and his speed, yep. right? I mean, that the four one four shuttle there is to me the the sign, right? Is yes, this is a change in direction drill, which as a linebacker you need to do. Yep. <laughs> you, that that is a that is a football skill. Uh, that translates directly from that drill to the football field. And, and at 6'3", so, that's the other two right. thing, too, is like I was mentioning, long legs, long arms. It's harder to do at 6'3". That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And so he, he combines those things. And uh, as Galt pointed out, he's made these gains while adding weight. And so yeah. to, to put 15 pounds on and then also concurrently add six and a half inches to your vertical... That's insane. Yep. <laughs> that is <laughs> right. That, like that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's something. Um, the 11 foot broad jump. Uh, yep. and, and, and that's a I'll huge number too. Exactly. The, the shuttle, the 40 at four, four, three and the 11 foot broad are all numbers that would finish top five in the combine today. Yep. So, yep. You know, you, you put all those things together and you got a guy who, if he puts it on the field this year, uh, it's going to be an interesting off season for him. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's it, that right there, I think is what I was trying to say poorly earlier is that, you know, <laughs> if you compare two elite athletes and they look different and yeah. they act different because he's got such a big frame, he adds that weight in a, in a more natural way where it doesn't look like he's this big, strong athlete, but he is that strong and it still allows him to be that explosive with that 11 foot broad jump. He's really like a, a, you know, you, you, we overuse the word prototype, but he really is a prototype for what you're looking for in a modern linebacker with the ability to run and still having that size to be able to take on line, uh, the, the line of scrimmage and, and make plays in the backfield. So moving into that will linebacker spot, he's going to be a huge benefit should be to the Penn state, uh, run defense. It'll be exciting to see him play in that role this year and coming in. Number one, a guy that's proven it on the field that has proven it now in the testing numbers. Our number one freak is Jaquan Brisker. Fifth year guy came back for that extra year. Probably not probably definitely could have gone pro, uh, yeah. last off season, but didn't want to do that. Didn't want, didn't want that to be the way he exited Penn state. And so, now you've got, if you're a Penn State fan or a Penn State player or coach, a, a pro. <laughs> you yeah, got, you got a, a guy that you know is a pro uh, playing this year, preseason All-American. You know, the, the accolades are too numerous to mention here, but he's a guy who fast, very fast. Yeah. Very, 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 can, very, very Can we very just fast. sit on that for a minute? <laughs> can we just sit on that 430 number? Here's the thing. So a yep. lot of people, they'll they'll kind of side-eye some of these numbers because, oh, it's home cooking Penn State. It's 39 and a half yards downhill. I, I don't really care if you believe that number or not, kind of like with Jason Owe and, and Micah Parsons last year during the, the, the pro day. 
It's still insanely fast, even if it is given some home cooking. These are cornerback numbers from Jaquan Brisker. Yep. Yep. Nah, I mean, he's, look, under a sub-four shuttle, 4-3, 40-yard dash. I, I said it in the story, but it was funny. I, I, you know, I asked Galt when, after he said 4-3, I said, oh, uh, I don't think I heard you correctly there. <laughs> but did you say, say 4-3? And he said 4 Three, oh, like period. Like the dude is just lightning. Yeah. Um, you know, and so if he, I think when we're talking about him though, as more than just an athlete and as a football player this season, yep. it's just a matter of, of positioning those, bring, bringing it all together, right? Yes. Making, making plays on the ball, uh, you know, coming, coming down with the interception that last year, you know, slipped out of his hands a couple of times. If he can do those things this season, and certainly that's his expectation, there is nothing from a physical perspective preventing him from being really very good. Yeah. Very, yeah. very, very, very good. Tr- truthfully, that some of these numbers, I it's always it's always a perception issue. Because I go back to the Rutgers game last year where he was playing deep safety and he made a play on the ball on the on the boundary on on a go route. And to me, that's the sort of like you've got to be a really good athlete to get there and to make a play on that ball. That was kind of the thing I wanted to know about what he is as an athlete. And again, you put up these numbers of a four three zero and a sub four shuttle. I now and changing my pers- my perception of what Penn State can do with Jaquan Brisker. Not that I ever thought he was slow. I, you know, I just thought he was in the, in the four fours, but maybe not this elite speed. But at six foot six one two oh five, you can now comfortably line him up in you know as long as he has the positional skills to do it in man coverage on anybody. You can play him deep. He can literally play at any level of the field, and he has the ability to do any assignment you ask of him. Yeah, and I, I I don't have the quote in front of me, but that's basically what Brent Pry said in the spring yeah. was that if if Brisker obviously he he got to Penn State as a junior, his junior year of eligibility, uh based on two seasons of junior college ball. But Brent Pry, again, paraphrasing, said he's played the field safety, he's played boundary safety, he can play cornerback. And if he had more time at Penn State, he could be a linebacker. So <laughs> that's nuts. That's nuts, right? Like that's yeah. and so, but that's again. I mean, just going back to that point about about uh, you know a, a defensive coordinator's dream. That's it. Yeah, that's the dream is having that ability to have the right guy in the right spot all the time it doesn't matter what the situation is because when you're that versatile when you're that powerful and fast explosive uh you know there's just so many things that that Penn State can do with that uh you know for the defense so it, it goes back to something and I I don't mean to bring this up to be negative but it just blows my mind that Penn State has never had a first round defensive back taken in the NFL draft and with those numbers there, I, I don't know how he gets out of the first round. This is this has got to be the year that that streak ends because Jaquan Brisker, the number one freak at Penn State as far as the athletics. Uh, run down the list again. Number five, Bretton Strange. Rasheed Walker coming in at number four. Jonathan Sutherland coming in at number three. So special teams and offense and defense 
All phases represented here. Brandon Smith at number two, Brisker at number one. Nate, uh, for people, if they want to check out the full article, tell them where to go. Blue White Illustrated. Yeah. So BWI.rivals.com. Join us. Uh, we'd love to have you. It's it's uh, tons of Penn State football talk and, you know, but just all day. It's, it's more than you can even possibly read. And you'll get <laughs> you'll it's like a fire hose as much as you can get of it. That's what you will we'll keep pumping it out for you. And don't forget, I just mentioned this earlier today coming up on uh, the BWI Daily Edition with me, your host, Thomas Frank Carr, Anthony Tresh of PFF coming up tomorrow. He's got some, I think, really I don't want, I, I hate the words hot take. And I hate the word, like, but he's got some really interesting things to say about Penn State football. You might not like them, but it might prepare you for an interesting season ahead for Penn State football. Uh, and he does give us a preview of the game this weekend with Wisconsin. And of course, after that game, BWI Live. I'll have a live post game show here giving you the instant ana- reaction and analysis to that. But for now, this is the BWI Daily Edition. As I said, I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow.